With all the mental health issues that are coming up for people at this time and the sort of low-level depression that everyone, I think, is experiencing, there's such a sense of helplessness and frustration. You know, well, we tried this last time. It doesn't seem to have worked. Is this going to work this time? I'm Celia Filkey, and this is Messages of Hope. The second wave of coronavirus in Victoria has shaken us out of complacency about the effects of the virus. The lockdowns affecting mental health, and for those with loved ones in hospital and aged care, there's a deep sense of grief. Today we're talking with Sue, who manages the spiritual care team for a hospital in Melbourne. Where do we find hope when there is so much uncertainty and also separation from our loved ones? So Sue, tell me, how is it this time around with this sort of second wave? What are you noticing? I think the first time around there was a lot of inspirational stuff about, you know, let's all learn how to bake bread and let's make the most of this and learn what's really important in life. And it feels like the second time round, generally people are just more in survival mode. So they're really feeling very isolated. There's such a sense of helplessness and frustration. Yeah, there's that sense, isn't it, of is it ever going to get better? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've become very good at watching the numbers. We see the numbers go up, we see them go down, we see more deaths. I think that creates a level of um, doom and gloom for people. Yeah. Yeah. Going, well, was... We have to resign ourselves to this is the way of life now. How are you noticing it in your, like, in your workspace? We have to <laughs> keep our distance from each other. We're wearing masks all the time. So in a hospital you wear masks anyway, but communicating with masks with each other and then with face shields now with patients so all patients can see your eyes. You know, just does it, is it weird, like different? Yeah. It's weird because you have to try and communicate everything with your eyes or your eyebrows. <laughs> and, you know, trying to be empathic with your eyes feels a bit stupid in some ways, but it's the only way we can make connection at the moment. Whereas before we might have held someone's hand as they were dying. We can't do anything like that at the moment. So what can you do? A lot of stuff's happening via video call or on the telephone. There aren't any visitors allowed at the moment. So patients aren't allowed to have family with them. So just dealing with their grief around, you know, not being able to be there at pivotal times. So you're right in this, a lot of this end of life grief, you know, yeah, happening with this. Yeah. Um, and you're saying people can't necessarily have their loved ones with them at that time. Uh, they don't have them at all. There might be some exceptions made on compassionate grounds. But if you're a COVID positive patient, it's impossible to have anyone with you. So there's a lot of disenfranchised grief and a lot of trauma as well for people. So I think the mental health implications are huge. How do you bring hope or comfort to both the person without their family there and also the people who can't get to their family member who's suffering? I think the hope and comfort come from providing the space for them to talk about how it affects them. If they're angry, letting them be angry, not um, diminishing any of the experiences they have and not being frightened by any of the emotions. Um, the other thing that I know a lot of the nursing staff are doing is if a patient is in the COVID wards and they are actively dying, they, they will have someone say, we stay with them. And so I can actually reassure families when I ring them that someone was actually with uh, your loved one and stayed with them. They weren't alone. So even just little things like that help families. But it's also about, you know, we're having to discover new rituals. How do we create new rituals that help people grieve at the time of death when they are um, separated. So you're know, talking to family members about, okay, so you know your father is is actively dying and he's, he might only have a few hours left. What space can you create for yourselves in your home that actually um, honours him? It might be having some of his music playing. It might be lighting candles. But it's actually 
reinforcing the importance of ritual and helping people, I think, to plan what they might do once lockdown's over. So giving them other ways in which they might process their grief and say, okay, this is a terrible situation at the moment and there will be opportunities for you to do other things. So maybe what you're missing now, I mean, you can't replace being with someone when they die, but other ways of honouring relationship and the person um, having to be creative around that. And that's always a very bespoke individual discussion and ritual that people create themselves Mm. in relation to the people they love. Coming up, we'll look at ways to maintain our well-being while we face so much uncertainty and grief. You're listening to Messages of Hope, and I'm Celia Filkey. With all the uncertainty around how long we'll be dealing with coronavirus restrictions, it's not surprising that anxiety is on the rise. With me is Sue, who manages the spiritual care team for a hospital in Melbourne. Not everybody knows someone who's got COVID or has someone in that situation, but people are still anxious about what the future holds. What kind of things can they do for self-care, perhaps in these kind of moments? That's a really hard question. (laughs) I think a really important part of it is actually normalising what you're experiencing. So knowing that that being anxious about this is a very normal reaction and it's widespread and so there's nothing wrong with you if you feel anxious. And then it's about, you know, how does that anxiety affect your life? So if you find that it's actually um, becoming overwhelming and stopping you from being able to participate in anything in life that brings you any joy, um, I guess it's about seeking some help, someone to talk to. You know, it's accessing professional help, but at the same time it's also becoming aware of what nurtures you what helps calm your anxiety and not feeling that it's overindulgent just to take time to breathe. Breathing's really important. (laughs) But anxiety is quite frightening for lots of people and I think communicating with other people and sharing your story can really help as well. So staying in contact. I think as a a country, as a world, uh, we're going to have to find new ways to deal with what will be a global level of anxiety now. Yeah, It's it's that feeling of just uncertainty. I don't think we've ever been in a situation where the future is so uncertain, Mm. Mm. particularly if you're used to planning and being in control and all of that. It is. It's very very difficult. And depending on your personality type too, yeah, if you like to be in control, you'd be absolutely going nuts at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think it's, it's just about accepting that, you know, it's not like we have to fix ourselves. This is the way we've been created. Um, we all have different things that make us anxious. And I think there's there's a lot of healing and acceptance of that and just saying, okay, this will affect me for a while and maybe I need to find the help uh, or the person that will help me uh, deal with strategies for working through it and not to consider that there's something wrong with you. You know, we put these incredible burdens on ourselves by saying, well, there must be something very wrong with me because I feel anxious. I accept that actually this is, this is how it's going to be for a while. It's something that we all need to watch out for. And I think it can, and you know, as someone who, who has clinical depression myself, there can be some very scary times with that. And I think it's also knowing for people to have supportive people they can contact if they feel scared about what's happening for them. Mm. It's actually about take the next step and just keep surviving. This is Messages of Hope, And we've been talking about finding moments of hope amongst the grief and anxiety caused by COVID. One question that often arises is, where is God in all this? 
So as someone who sees the deadly results of COVID as a hospital worker and also has a faith in God, how does your faith travel through times like this? <laughs> well, so it travels a bit of a roller coaster, I think. For me, um, it always comes down to this question of what does God allow? Why doesn't God stop things? It's, it's the perennial questions that I think a lot of people ask. And alongside that is a very strong sense of, yeah, but, but God's actually here. What gives you that sense? Well, for me, it's music. I think um, a lot of my spirituality happens via music, whether I'm playing it myself or whether I'm listening to it. My spirituality is also, my faith is very much based on the image of the crucified Christ. So Christ on the cross with us, with us in suffering. So, you know, we all have different images of God and ones that resonate with us. I guess the victorious Christ, the victorious God standing up and being the Lord of power and glory doesn't sit well with me in these times. It's the scarred and vulnerable Christ, I think, that I can imagine coming alongside. Yeah. Mm. And I guess I feel that's really what, what God does with us come alongside and be in the dark places with people. So why why does that particularly resonate with you at the moment? Because there's such a sense of helplessness and frustration and I guess in some ways um, when you don't know what the outcome is going to be of a pandemic, it's a time of grief and it's a time of darkness. And it's, it's also a time of trying to find hope where we can and not knowing what that looks like. And I think if I know that God's in that with me, then um, he's got it. There'll, there'll always be hope, but I just don't know what it'll look like on the other side. Yeah. Mm, mm. We really have to have that that hope, don't we? Because we don't know what it's going to be. It's just that, I guess, faith, isn't it? Stepping out in faith. It is. And I think with all the mental health issues that are coming up for people at this time and the sort of low-level depression that everyone, I think, is experiencing, it's really hard to see hope. So... So how do you um, pass that hope on to people? I think for me it's about noticing and listening to people and meeting them where they're at. That's very much what it feels to me like Jesus does. If my staff are down, if they're feeling really flat, it's actually taking the time to sit with them and saying, so how are things going? And so trying to convey that each person that I meet is actually important and special because they are one of God's children and I want them to see something something, even just the smallest little hint of Christ coming through me. It's grasping what you can. And for me, it's grasping onto the hope that the person of Jesus who's actually experienced pain and suffering, he's actually there and he understands. And that's my hope at this moment, knowing that that Jesus is actually right there next to me and he's taking it with me. You've been listening to Messages of Hope. For free PDFs, videos and podcasts about coping with challenging times, go to messagesofhope.org.au. That's messagesofhope.org.au. Or for a free booklet, call 1-800-353-350. That's 1-800-353-350. I'm Celia Filkey. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope. Real hope to cope with life's challenges.